It's the technician part. It is how you go about solving the problem. Wherever the problem is, the idea that you created to solve that problem is you working in your business. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 348. And today we're going to talk about four hours that will make any solopreneur massively productive. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hi there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson, authority amplifier and possibility igniter for expert-based entrepreneurs that are ready to 2 to 5x their revenue in the next 90 days. Today, I've got a guest joining me, and this is a very insightful conversation about the hours that we actually work that make us more productive and what we do in those four hours that move the needle. And as I was thinking about this conversation, I was thinking about the needle movers that I have in my own business and that I help my clients implement. Because if we're not focused on the activities that really produce meaningful results, all of this is for naught. You're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel disillusioned. You're going to wonder if you have what it really takes. You may even find yourself in resistance and unconsciously sabotaging the growth of your business. Whether you are reaching for your first six figures or you're getting into the seven figures or maybe even shooting for eight, you must be focused on the needle movers. One way to uncover the needle movers in your business is to consider when you do X, Y is the result and Y is something that is meaningful and valuable for you. That could be you're getting booked to speak. It could be that you're um, getting on the phone with a potential client. It might mean that you're actually delivering a result for that client. Whatever those needle movers are for you, I like to keep 80% of my focus on those and 20% can be for the creative adventures that I don't really know where they're going. Now, sometimes it's helpful to have a framework to have an idea of, well, what actually works for other entrepreneurs? And if you are an expert-based business owner who has your sights set on a multiple six or seven figure business, then you are going to love my seven-step framework that adds another 100K or more to your revenue this year. If you go to amplifywithmelanie.com, I will um, give you a complimentary version of the blueprint I use in my business. This is the same work I do with every single client to make sure that all seven, plus a bonus, uh, elements in the business are performing at their highest possible level. And that might mean you got to tweak some things. It might mean you need to implement some things, but you do need all seven to produce a six, seven, or even eight figure business. So head over to amplifywithmelanie.com, download it, give yourself a little self-assessment and f- check in like how well are these factors performing right now in your business? And if I can be of help, reach out, let's book a fast track consultation And let's uncover what's going to move the needle the fastest for you right now. Now, let's get into today's episode. 
Welcome back, Amplifiers. Today we're talking about what it takes to actually thrive as a solopreneur. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest today. Her name is Janine Bolin, and she's always loved figuring out how things work. She's a scientist to her core and craved digging into the mysteries of life and understanding why things are the way they are. And so after working in the pharmaceutical industry for 15 years, she dropped out of corporate America to homeschool her four children and has always had a side business in her life. And now she shares with others how to manage a well-lived life with children, family, friends, clients, and not suffer from burnout. So she's got 12 books, 91 online courses, four podcast programs, and a radio show, show, which all showcase her desire to reveal her systems and routines with others who want to thrive as well. So Janine, I'm so glad that we get to have this conversation today. Thank you for being here. I'm really glad that we finally connected. Melanie, you and I have been trying to get this on the books for quite some time. And so thanks for waiting until my schedule opened up. I really appreciate that. And yeah, let's see if we can't help some people. Yeah. Well, you know, my guess is you open your mouth and share some bit of wisdom from your life and you're going to be helping people and you're going to, you know, sometimes I think it's the conversations that we have in the green rooms or like having lunch or over a cup of tea or that glass of wine at an event. Like those are the conversations that are moving the needle for people. So I feel so fortunate to have some similar types of conversations that I get to share with the Amplify community. So I thought we would start with just defining what a solopreneur is. And, and you know, we talk about being an expertpreneur or an entrepreneur, and you really are intentional about using the word solopreneur. So what is that and how is that different? I love how people are really putting words together. I think Shakespeare would be very proud of us as English speaking peoples because we are having a blast talking about extrapreneurs, uh, expertpreneurs, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. And my favorite, which came out in the uh, late 90s, or maybe it was the early 2000s, which were authorpreneurs. I think it was 2006 when that word was mashed together. So again, in the tradition of Shakespeare, who loved to make up words, we are doing a bang up job. And I just wanted to say, first of all, if you're a little confused, that may be why, because we are very proficient when it comes to uh, how can we make this sound better and more in alignment with what we're doing. So entrepreneur, entrepreneur is somebody who starts a business and it grows and they eventually have employees. And those are usually W-2 employees. And a solopreneur does the very same thing as an entrepreneur, but rather than have W-2 employees, they have 1099 business partners. <laughs> I am very specific. I am not an entrepreneur. I have always built businesses where I was a solopreneur and I talk to people about my team and what my team does. And I have 15 people that help me run my business and not a single one of them is an entre uh, is a employee of mine. So that is a solopreneur. They have a, a, freelance, a group of freelancers that support the business they run. And I got the idea from Madonna. Madonna was somebody that I watched. Now, was it because I loved her music? Some of it. I wasn't really... Uh, I didn't find a lot of her stuff fab fabulous and fantastic. I saw some of her stuff was totally not in alignment with my moral compass or my ethics, but I did watch her as a businesswoman watches a successful businesswoman. And one of the things I learned is she only had two employees her entire career. And I also watched this woman, you probably heard of her, Oprah. 
she only had three employees and she runs a production company and she is a multi-million dollar business in the suit, right? So by watching these two women through the 90s and the early 2000s, I really got a grasp on how do you stay successful and keep your overhead low? And that's the way you do it. You don't have employees. Now, Microsoft caught into this and used to put people on a part-time basis because then they didn't have to pay them benefits. Well, the federal government caught wind of that and not ixnade that situation. So we are then forced as entrepreneurs. And if you grow to where you're no longer in a tax bracket that's helpful, you kind of have to grow to where you go from an S-corp to a C-corp. And when you do that, that's when things get very high in your um, overhead. You know, you start having to really watch your profit and loss statement. So as I watched how different businesses did different things, uh, the LLC community kicked in and realized LLC hasn't been around very long. And that's that limited liability company, or as some people say, solos. And so that is really where our country is right now is just the sheer volume and number of solopreneurs is quite extensive. So that's Janine's quick run through of some of the history of what it means to be an entrepreneur, a solopreneur. And if you're one of those people that I, I coach, which are authorpreneurs, it's you have a book and you're building a business based on that book. Yeah. And, I, and so we would ex express uh, if you're an expertpreneur, which is a term I use all the time, you're an expert in what you do and you're building a business around that. And I think that preneur part is the mashup, right? <laughs> and it's lovely. So I think it's lovely. However you use it, what you're doing is you're just letting people know you're focused. So bravo. Keep rocking, Melanie. Yeah. So you talk a lot about the difference between working in your business and working on your business. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? And because this this was a huge light bulb moment for me in the trajectory of my business evolution. It is. Uh, a lot of people, if you're not trained in business, you don't know about it. If you are trained in business, they start yawning on you. We're like, okay, we're going to talk about whether you're a technician in your business or if you're a marketing professional. And so the marketing people are like, yeah, 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 we know this. But for those of us who were not trained in marketing, but just had this crazy idea, and guess what? People started paying you to solve that problem that you had an idea for. Uh, you may not understand that. So when you work in your business, it's you doing the work that you enjoy. It's the, it's the technician part. It is how you go about solving the problem. Whatever the problem is, the idea that you created to solve that problem is you working in your business. The dysfunctional Part of that aspect is if you spend your 60 hours a week, which is what a lot of entrepreneurs do, if you spend most of your time just being a technician and working in your business in that way, it will not thrive. You will not get to a place of profitability. You need to spend at least four hours. And that's what I say is you start off with only four hours a week. I've, I've had some very professional uh, entrepreneurs look at me and go, that's insane, Janine. Nobody can run a business that way, blah, 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 blah. And I go, hello, I am training people from the ground up. Hello, please let them learn what this is before you start ragging on me that they're not doing enough of it. First, let's get them doing it. And then we'll talk about how you need to expand. But first, just start. Just start doing four hours a week where you nurture your business. And that's where you're working on the business. That's when you're promoting it. You're building out your uh, client base. You are bringing new prospects into your uh, client funnel, those sorts of things. And I know I always 
hesitate to use the word funnel because people immediately think, oh, I'm not that kind of person. I don't, that's not how I look for my people. I'm a referral-based only kind of business. And I'm like, bravo, well done. But there is a, a path that your people walk. You hear about it called the client journey or the customer journey. And I try not to use a lot of those words because we're sick and tired of hearing about it as an entrepreneur, expertpreneur, or authorpreneur, right? You're so tired of marketing people saying these words. So I try to use different words that mean the same thing just to get your brain thinking about your business in its own unique way because your business is unique. You know, there are certain elements and aspects that you have to walk through, but that is the, the thing. So what is the difference between working in your business and working on your business? Working in your business, you are the technician. You are the, as I like to say, you are the God. You are defining for yourself what you're supposed to do and for your clientele. You're solving problems. You're making the world a better place because of the solution that you have. And I say, thank you. Thank you for being a technician in your business. Just make sure as you're starting out, you build in four hours a week where you are actually working on the business. So you keep the lights on, keep the mortgage paid and keep food on the table. As I tell people, for some crazy reason, my four children want food with their meal. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but we need to make that happen for ourselves. We need to stay profitable. Uh, that's such a great distinction. And I love that, that you're starting with a four hour chunk because I think that's doable for everybody. You can find four hours, but I am curious if there's some signs that somebody's not working on their business enough. Well, that will definitely be shown in the lack of income. You will see that immediately. If you're not working on your business enough, you are struggling to find clients. Uh, if you don't have clients that are coming into your business, you're not working on the marketing element enough. You're, and, and there is a difference between marketing and promotion, okay? I like to say that to people. Promotion is the shotgun approach. You're just trying to get your face out there. You're trying to get out there. Uh, I started doing promotion uh, for our white glove production company probably four years ago. And that was if somebody said, oh, I have a podcast. I said, can I be a guest? You know, that, that was my next, that's promotion. I'm not actively selling. I'm just trying to get my voice, my face out there. I started writing books like crazy, becoming authors in different sections of business so I could be on different podcasts. So that's promotion. What's marketing? That's where you're marketing one thing. You're marketing one solution. So Melanie, what is your one solution that you have for people? Yeah, mine is uh, helping them be visible as a podcast guest, and I should say profitably visible. As a podcast guest. So that is the, the problem is how do I stay profitable? And the solution is you're a podcast guest and Melanie is going to help you do that. So how does she market that, right? It's very easy for Melanie to market that because as a customer, I only have to think of one thing. Do I want to get on a podcast? Do I want to be profitable? And how do I be a guest? Melanie can answer all of those things for me. Boom. Easy peasy, because as you and I both know, a confused customer does not buy. Bye. They do not buy <laughs> if they're confused by your message. And so that's the difference between promotion and marketing. Promotion, you're on every podcast you probably possibly can be on. I was actually on the Professional Pool Cleaners Association podcast, and I was helping them with four hour weeks <laughs> that they need me because 
pool cleaners always have to find yet more pools to clean. So how do you go about building out that sort of marketing for them? Okay, so then marketing is very specific. It is what is your one thing that you are selling? Because I don't know about anybody else, but I run four different businesses. So therefore, each business has multiple projects, multiple products, multiple services. But in our marketing, we only are marketing one at a time. It's very linear. Yes. Um, that's a great distinction. I love your distinctions. You've yes. you've obviously put a lot of uh, thought into and reflected on some of these unique uh, differences. So well said. Thank you. You know, there there's a... Uh, there's some things that I've seen you post about and talk about, about um, going after sales first and worrying about marketing later. And it made me really, really curious. What does that actually look like in business? Like what is, what, you know, how do we know we need to do that? And what does that look like to go after the sale first? And why are we worrying about the marketing later? Because you need to make money first before you can market. Uh, to me, it's very basic. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's just like, Everybody gets it confused. They they get it turned around backwards. They think they have to market first and, and then magically people are going to come to them. And I go, you, you understand that before Boeing 747s came out, they had prototypes, right? And they're like, yeah, but I'm a coach. I do services. I don't have to worry about prototypes, to which I went, do not do prototypes at your own risk. Okay. If you want to risk your business and go ahead and just market and, and don't do any sales, this is what it looks like in the real world. So for all, all of you out there, this is IRL stuff. What it is about is you need to have somebody pay you for something before you ever make it. Okay. So I don't run a course until somebody begs me to make a course. Then I will put the energy and effort into it. But that person that said, hey, would you please make this course? I want to learn X, Y, Z from you, Janine. I go, fine. How much will you pay for it? And they'll say, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I need a number. I need to know what your number is that you're willing to pay for me to solve this solution, especially if I tell you for this particular problem that you have, Carrie Lynn, uh, Carrie Lynn was one of the recent ones. I said, I will save you seven years and $58,000. So how much are you willing to pay for me to put together a course that will solve that for you? And she came up with a number and I said, I will build a course for that. And then what I do is then after she pays me and she knows that she's paying for a prototype, I then invite my list. But see, somebody has already put money on the barrel head before I ever put effort or energy into anything that I'm doing. I don't write books unless people want them. Okay. So that's part of the process is until somebody says, yes, I want this book, I'll pay $40 for you to get started on it. I do not start on that project. So that's what it looks like in the real world. You sell first. Once the cash hits the barrel head, as we say in the Midwest, <laughs> once the cash is on that barrel head and it is in my Venmo, PayPal, or I've received a check, <laughs> I don't start working and marketing on it. And so that's what I do. That's yeah, such a great example. And I actually been working with a client right now who she was like on the fence about whether or not she should roll out this product. And I said, well, let's ask your audience if they actually want it. And she did. And she had a bunch of yeses. And I said, now go pre-sell it to them before you build it. <laughs> and it was right. like this light bulb moment for her to, to realize, oh, I can actually make sure people are willing to spend money on this before I put my hard-earned energy and, and time and you know develop it out. And 
you know, I, I definitely have been guilty in the past of not doing that and your sales will suffer later. So uh, I think that's brilliant advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So is there, I'm just really curious about these four hours of work, you know, to work on your business. Is there any more to that before I move on that you want to share in terms of like how as a solopreneur, those four hours a week can change you from struggling to thriving? Yeah. Well, you're focused on sales. I mean, that's the, the, I'm very direct and I teach what I say. I teach the obvious. So some people are like, they look at me when they say, Janine, I want to pick your brain about something. How can I blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, sounds to me like you need more clients. And they, and they just look at me like, duh. And I'm like, yeah. So what are you doing to get more clients? Well, I'm marketing. What are you marketing? You don't have clients that have said yes yet. Why are, why are you even marketing yet? You need to back the train up. You need to go back to the station and get somebody to put money in your Venmo, PayPal, whatever account before you ever start marketing. So, you know, it's, it's to me, that's uh, the big point. We already talked about that, but the four hours, four hours a week is all about building those relationships. And oh my gosh, if I hear one more person talk about relationship marketing, I think I'm going to scream because it's stuff that, no offense, Melanie, women have been doing this for decades. <laughs> We've been doing it at the beginning of our lives. We were taught how important relationships were. And what I think is fascinating is most of the men know how important relationships are. And then when you get into the business arena, people make it sound like this, this big thing. And it's like, hello, building relationships is what we do because we're human beings on this planet we call earth. And if you don't know how to build good relationships, let me tell you something, be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or an expertpreneur, they, that will bring up every little mental health deficiency you might have. You are going to be in the crash course of self-development when you become a business owner because every weakness you have will be brought to the forefront and you will need to deal with it. So I always like to give people pause before they start thinking that they want to build a business. I'm like, oh, you ready for your self-development crash course? Because <laughs> that's what you'll go through. Those dark nights of the soul as you lay awake, hoping that you can pay your people who have put in $1,500 worth of work and you're trying to figure out where that $1,500 is going to come from. Or you can take the advice that Melanie gives you and you can take the advice I give you and you can make sure that you have clients in your pipeline before you ever start marketing. So that's all I really have to say about those four hours a week. It's how you know how well your business is doing by how much cash flow you have coming in, what is your overhead, and how many prospects do you have lined up ready to pay you money, but you don't have time for them. So they're on a wait list. So I can imagine the internal dialogue that somebody's having right now, hearing that, and they're probably thinking to themselves, well, if I'm not marketing and I'm supposed to get sales, where do I find those clients? So, you know, if somebody's in that conflict right now and they're maybe a little twisted up in their head, what's the one, like if we were just to break that down into one very actionable step, what could they do right now to go after those sales and not worry about the marketing yet? So if you have something that you want to do, the best thing you can do is um, get on your phone and call people. 
and ask them how you can help them. Okay. So just, that's where you're talking about the relationships, tying that back together is you, you lean into those connections that you already have. You, I, I, people make it very complicated and that's why I know I, I sometimes come across, like uh, I had one person say, Janine, you're just like this fire hose. And I, and you're just dumping all these ideas on me. And I'm like, my ideas are all based on one thing. And that is get the money. All right. You cannot improve this world without the, the primary tool it runs on, which is money. Okay, so if you have an issue with money, then that is your self-development process right now. And so when people are like, well, I don't know where to go for clients. I'm like, well, what's the problem you solve? Mm. What problem of mine can you solve? Now, I'll give you the basics. Here are the three things you do. You need to save me time, help me with my money, either increase it or decrease my debt, or three help me lose weight or get healthier. These are the only real things people are thinking about. And of course, sex, that is a big one. So it just depends. Do you want to do money, time, health, lose weight or sex? These, these, it's like, I'm like, as a biological organism, this is where we are. And I, and I know this, I'm, I'm playing around. I'm trying to be silly with a lot of this, but that's really where you are. What is the problem that you solve for me? All right. And then don't stop there. What's the second problem I'm going to have? So let's take a very good, easy example. If you sell Rain-X, which is that nice little film that you can put on the glass that makes the windshield wipers work well, Well, guess where that came from? It came from somebody who realized the windshield wipers didn't do a really good job when you were in a pouring down rain in Florida in the middle of Gainesville. (laughs) Okay. If anyone's been in Florida, especially Gainesville, which is smack in the middle of the state and it's pouring down rain, you know how pathetic windshield wipers are. But somebody, some bright spark came up with Rain-X. Now, when you first put Rain-X on, you had to have a special kind of microfiber towel to put it on and then buff it out and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, as people came up with solutions, there was going to be another problem. Like if I didn't have towels, if I didn't have a microfiber cloth, blah, blah. And so they started building out kits. And then you had these kits you could buy. So you could just buy Rain-X or you could buy the kit, the starter kit, or you could buy the exclusive package, which allowed you to have enough of the Rain-X to put on windshield wipers for those wonderful machines that have the headlights that have windshield wipers on them. I mean, it got very extensive, right? So that's kind of where you go with your with your process is, what is the first problem I solve? What is the next problem my person is going to have? Because you've been through there. You're the one who solved the first problem. You know what your second problem was you had to solve. So just continue going down that process and solve at least three problems for your people. And then immediately, you know exactly what your three demographics are in that journey. And that's how you go about starting. And at every conversation you have, no matter if it's somebody that's super important, like one time I had an opportunity to talk to Sam Walton, who used to own uh, Walmart before he died, may rest in peace. And uh, I remember I was sitting there as a 16-year-old and he asked me, oh, so you're 16 year olds. What are you doing? I'm like, "I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I had no idea I was talking to the Sam Walton. I thought he was a farmer. He dressed 
like a farmer. And I thought I was just speaking to another Arkansas farmer. And, uh, and he said, you know, he asked me if some other questions and I finally looked at him and I said, well, you've helped me with a lot of stuff. How can I help you? And he smiled really big. He shook my hand. He said, you'll go far. Keep asking that question. How can I help you? Even if you don't have a solution for the person, you at least know they have a problem because you never know if within three phone calls, you may meet somebody where you can help that person. And the next thing you know, you'll build this beautiful network. Relationship marketing is not tough. It's just offering to help people. That's really all it's about. So that's the quick answer to your thing is, um, what is the one actionable item? Well, I know everybody that is an entrepreneur. If you ask this, if I ask you this question right now, so take a moment, clear your mind. And we're going to say, I'm going to ask you the question. This is the question you're going to ask yourself. You're going to say, who do I need to call right now? Now, somebody's going to pop into your head. That's the person you call and you ask them, how can I help you? You start the conversation first with, hey, how are you doing? It's been a while since we chatted. The last time we talked, we were talking about blah, blah, blah. You came to mind. I was thinking about you and I was just curious. Is there anything I can help you with today? Is something going on in your life? And then listen. That's how you run a business. So for a woman who doesn't love the term relationship marketing, it sounds like you're really good at relationship marketing. <laughs> it's just been used so much. Mm-hmm. It's just been, and, and then it's kept nebulous. So what I did was I just said, this is how you do relationship marketing. You call people and you ask them how they are. You listen to what they have to say. And then you ask them, how can I help you? And they're like, oh, I'm doing really great. Everything's fine. What's going on with you? That's a trap. Do not sell. Do not sell. That's a trap. It's a trick question. You go, oh, I've got some new projects in the pipeline that I'm working on. But really, I'm just, I called because I just wanted to find out what was going on with you. I was in the middle of listening to a podcast and you popped into my head. And I just want to make sure you're doing all right. And then you wait and let them speak again. Silence is my favorite tool. Silence means you're actually listening instead of waiting to speak next, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I never really had a lot of that. Um, I always wanted to hear what somebody had to say. If I asked a question, I waited for the answer. I didn't talk over them because when I ask questions, I really want an answer. Excellent. I love that. I'm just making sure you're done so that I don't talk over you. <laughs> so Janine, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and hours about all of the wisdom that you bring into the solopreneur journey and this distinction, these distinctions that help people really thrive instead of just survive. And I know you have so many resources. What is one resource that you'd love to share with our audience today that might help them take the the beginning of these concepts and, you know, build them out, really learn more about it? Sure thing. So one of the things that I like to do for people like Melanie, who are so kind and they let me talk to their people and all that kind of stuff, is I let you go to my personal website. And on my personal website is a group of videos that you guys have access to that talk about the four hours a week system. And that way you don't have to buy a book. You don't have to worry about going into a funnel. You don't have none of that. I don't, I don't want any of that for you. You just listen to Melanie. She knows what she's doing when she talks about being an authority amplifier. So just listen to what she has to say. As far as what I have to say, uh, listen to the videos. I think it'll take you a full hour. Uh, if you listen to the videos back to back, but you can, they're busted up into segments for you. 
And they will assist you in that four-hour week process, how to divide it up and what it means, that sort of thing. Um, So you can just go to janineboland.com forward slash videos, and that will get you where you need to go. And also, you know how good Melanie is with those show notes. She'll have them in there for you as well. You got it. You know, you know how I roll. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Janine, this is the time in the conversation where I like to just get inside your head a little bit, learn a little bit more about, you know, big steps that you took that led you to where you are today. And I'm really curious how you're going to answer this. How, what would you say is the boldest thing you did to amplify the success of your business? I dropped out of the workforce to raise my four children and homeschool them. Hmm. And most people would be like, well, that's no big deal. I said, it was in 1996. In 1996, I did something that was against the feminist movement. I was an analytical biochemist. I was highly trained. I was highly qualified. I was an internationally known uh, biochemist because of the automation and technology that I was promoting. I was one of the few women that was running quick basic programs and running million dollar uh, robots and instrumentation during the AIDS crisis. We were processing anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 samples a week, which nowadays is laughable, but that's where the technology was at the time. That was high production. And I became pregnant and I saw at the time we did not have maternity leave. There was none of that you had to take sick leave and that included your hospital stay. And of course, you know, you can totally plan when a child is coming, right? And HR was not very forgiving at that time. And so in 1996, when I dropped out of the workforce, um, I actually was rejected by the female of the species. Um, I lost all my friends. I lost all of my connections. And I was told that I had wasted my education. So I went home, I had four children, I homeschooled them, and I proceeded to prove that theory wrong. And I am so grateful our society has come to the realization that this parenting gig is important and that companies thrive when families thrive. And that can be a family of whatever it looks like because we have families that are all the colors of the rainbow and as differentiated as you have genetic code for. Well, that's very intriguing. (laughs) Uh, That just makes me want to know more about you. (laughs) So I just reading between the lines here a little bit, I just want to connect a dot here. You know, as you share that story, what I'm imagining part of that story is, is that you know, saying yes to that and trusting that that's where you were meant to be also created a space for you to realize you could be a solopreneur and also have time for what was really important to you, which was being a mom and being part of that family unit. Am I connecting that dot properly? Um, One thing I'd like to add, it was also illegal in a lot of states to homeschool. So there was quite the legal Mm -hmm. challenges to go up against as well. So it wasn't, uh, that was why it was bold, because depending upon what state we lived in, we were either practicing things illegally or not. And so I had to do a lot of research on the legalities of it. So our educational system isn't what it was to, is today uh, regarding that period of time. So those were two of the big, bold moves I had to make. But uh, as you... far as being a solopreneur, I've been a solopreneur since I was 10. I started my very first business when I was 10 years old. 
So it's oh, always wow. been in my blood. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And and I just like trailblazer keeps screaming in my mind as I listen to you. <laughs> Blazing a trail. And I really think there's fire following your tracks wherever you go. <laughs> you would not be the first one to say. That. <laughs> All right. Last question for you, Janine. Um, as you sit where you are today and you look back to the beginning of starting this journey of business that you're in now. Is there one thing you wish you would have done sooner? Because now you know how impactful it was for you. I, with the data that I had and the situation that was I was in, no, I, I can't imagine my brain being able to take in or receive the lessons that I needed without it. Like I said, it's a self-development journey and it doesn't stop just because I've run uh, 17 different businesses and a nonprofit, you know, it, it just doesn't, it never stops. You're always developing aspects of your character, your personality, and really focusing in on it. Um, I have been able to learn, I think, when to shut a business down rather than go down with the business. Mm -hmm. I have learned when to invest in the business and put that extra $2,000 in there, but yet not lose the mortgage payment, right? You know, I've learned those aspects, but I think I've actually learned when to say that's enough and walk away. I'm very good at uh, walking away from a business that was profitable, uh, profitable and very productive and efficient, uh, but then had served its use, served its time and walked away. That's why I've run 17 of them. And then I've also known when to sell them, you know, mm -hmm. when to sell a business, when it was good enough to be able to sell. Yeah. So lots good, of fun. Good learnings. Wow. Mm -hmm. You are a treasure trove, Janine. And I'm <laughs> so grateful we could carve out this time to share just a small, tiny piece of the wisdom that's packed in your mind. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And uh, I hope you all, as you're listening in, will check out the four hours a week system, janinebolin.com for such videos. We will link that up in the show notes. Uh, being a solopreneur doesn't mean you have to struggle and it doesn't mean you should be living in scarcity. You can thrive. I think Janine is a living proof of that. And so am I. And uh, there are tools here for you, like what Janine is offering. So thank you, Janine. You are welcome. And thank you for having me on the show. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com. And I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going, and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name, and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. <laughs>